Hello everyone, and welcome back to Commander Kitchen. Here at the kitchen, we discuss flavorful deck builds from the Archive Arcanum, decks built with a topic in mind. This episode, we're looking at the recipe for a deck dedicated to one of the Lord of the Rings' most evil, most dark of all lords, Sauron. To hear more on that topic, make sure you tune in to the Deckumentary Podcast for the deck, whereas here, we're going to dive into how the deck works. As usual, we'll be looking at the flavor and the five ingredients of the deck. Goals, Ramp, Interaction, Draw Selection, and The Lands. The actual deck list can be found in the show notes, whereas the episode will focus on the key cards so that you can find cards to help make the recipe your own. Now, let's talk flavor. The commander for this deck is a bit of a stretch in terms of legal for commanders, so if you are planning on building it, definitely make sure you check with your playgroup first. In the command zone, we are running not one, not two, but three legendary cards, and uh, none of them are creatures. I warned you, it was a bit of a stretch. Our commanders are the Book of Vile Darkness, Hand of Vecna, and Eye of Vecna, and our goal is simple. Get all three out to summon our version of Sauron, the token creature, Vecna. Now there is a lot of text on the three cards, so for brevity's sake I won't read them all, but essentially, once we get all three out and exile them, we get Vecna, a legendary 8-8 black zombie god with four abilities. First, when Vecna enters the battlefield, you draw a card and you lose two life. Second, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may pay two. If you do, you draw a card and you lose two life. Third, at the beginning of combat on your turn, Vecna gets plus X plus X until the end of turn, where X is the number of cards in your hand. And lastly, at the beginning of your end step, if you lost two or more life this turn, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Now that is a lot of powerful abilities, but it will take some work to get there. And being that he is an evil lord of darkness, Bending the rules for ultimate power is kind of the name of the game. Now that's how the commander works. As for how the deck works, our goal is to play lots of weaken effects to slow our opponents' armies until we can get Sauron out and attacking, while at the same time creating hordes of zombies while pumping them with our zombie lords. A good note here is that we are gaining story flavor with our commander cards, but we are losing the ability to deal any commander damage, so take that into consideration if you plan to play this deck. Now, without further ado, let's get to the griddle. Alright everyone, look alive, starting with the goals of the deck, please. Being that our commander is a zombie and a token at that, we have a few zombie lords to help boost his effectiveness when he does hit the battlefield. Beyond helping Vecna, these will also help with our army of zombies, helping our side to survive the weakened effects we will be deploying, more on that later. Whether it's strictly pumping up our forces with Risen Executioner or Death Priest of Miracle, or giving some strong abilities to them with Corrosive Mentor, Death Baron, or Vizier of the Scorpion, having as many of these lords out to help the greater good, or I guess in this case the greater evil, will definitely be a big part of our game plan. We can also ensure we keep a solid board state with cards like Cemetery Reaper, and our Witch King himself, Micchaeus the Unhallowed. As our commander doesn't have any built-in evasion, having Lord of the Accursed or Zombie Master in play is definitely to our advantage, the latter made even more effective with Urborg Tomb of Yogmoth. Now, though an 8-8 commander is all well and good, we wouldn't get far without a little help from our fiends. Zombie tokens galore are at our beck and call with cards like Siphon Flesh, Army of the Damned, and Rise of the Dead Barn. Liliana's Mastery and Dreadhorde Invasion help to bolster our team, while Gravecrawler, along with Phyrexian Altar and Ayara, first of Loctwain, can help us close out a game with a possible infinite ping combo. On the topic of infinite combos, we have another option with Cormispell and Urborg, though this is quite a dangerous one. Dangerous and mean, though we are playing one of the most evilest of villains of all time. That combo is with Cormispell, Urborg, Tomb of Yogmoth, 
and any of our one-sided weaken effects like Make Obsolete or Massacre Worm. Essentially, Urborg turns all lands into swamps, including our opponents, Corma Spell makes all swamps into 1-1 creatures, then Make Obsolete kills all of your opponents' 1-1 creatures. And that, my friends, is Mass Land Destruction. I guess a Dark Lord's gotta do what a Dark Lord's gotta do. As mentioned earlier, one of our main strategies is to employ an ongoing string of weaken effects, effects that give all creatures minus one, minus one, or more. Using these effects will buy us time to get our more powerful creatures, like Vecna, onto the battlefield and attacking with relative impunity. Our version of Saruman, Ascendant Evancar, as well as Massacre Worm and Knight of Souls Betrayal give us versions of the effect on permanence, while cards like Toxic Deluge and Glistening Deluge give us some sorcery versions. Some cards also give us one-sided versions of the effect, which can be quite powerful, especially with the aforementioned Cormus Tomb combo. Make Obsolete, of course, and Gruesome Realization both do this very effectively, the latter giving us card draw instead if the weakened effect is not needed at the time. Alright, good pace everyone, moving on to ramp now. We generally want to start getting our three commander pieces out as early as possible, so sometimes the ramp can wait, but those pieces will definitely have a target painted on them. Having ramp will help us to get them out a second or third time, paying for that pesky commander tax. Classic black ramp like Dark Ritual and Bubbling Muck help us to have explosive turns, while Crowded Crypt and Scepter of Eternal Glory give us repeatable options. Meanwhile, sacrificing our own minions to Phyrexian Altar is very synergistic with our black market, and over time, that replicating ring may even give us enough ramp for all of our Naz guys and Naz ghouls. And of course, it's the Lord of the Rings, so, you know, Soul Ring. Great work, looking now for interaction. Much as was the goal of Sauron, we're going to try and interfere and destroy our opponents' plans with a healthy dose of removal. We already have a fair amount of mass removal in our weakened effects, but anything that does survive those will have to face the wrath of Invasion of Fiora, a battle that, if we manage to flip it, gives us Marchesa Resolute Monarch, a strong Planeswalker removal piece. For higher toughness creatures, Blight Grenade, Dark Salvation, and Invasion of Innistrad pull some serious weight, the latter two of which can even give us some more minions to do our evil bidding. Feed the Swarm and Rotten Reunion give us non-creature removal and Graveyard Hate respectively, while Orc Sure Shot, beyond being a notable art homage to the fall of Boromir, can also infinitely clear the board for us with the Gravecrawler Phyrexian Altar combo. Alright, let's not fall behind. Next up we have Draw and Selection, please. We discussed Ayara, first of Lockthwain, as a possible infinite pinger, but they are also a notable source of card draw. Being that we have to sack a creature to them to draw, having an undead auger or harvester of souls around will make our hand all the more full. One-time draw effects like Ambition's Cost and Ancient Craving can get us a nice influx of new options, while finding our combo pieces with Diabolic Intent, something Sauron had oodles of, can help us close out games. Hmm, now I want noodles. Noodles aside, every great villain needs an evil fortress. And what's more evil to your opponents than Bolas's Citadel? Now you can have card advantage, and your enemies can have life disadvantage. Huzzah! Good work, everyone. Last one almost through. Land, please. We've mentioned Urborg, Tomb of Yogmoth a few times, so we should also mention Cabal Coffers. More ramp in our lands can be found with the classic Myriad Landscape as well. For additional ramp, I've included Lake of the Dead, as it is also hugely on flavor, but it is a pricey one, so good to note that it is not at all integral for the deck to function. We have a little bit of land removal with Demolition Field, and a little bit of evasion for the boss with Shizo Death's Storehouse. Top all of this off with a plethora of basic swamps, and you're cooking with pungent, spicy evil. Now, the dish. Overall, this deck is not one that will win you friends, but could definitely win you games.
Being that it can generate a notable amount of groans from around the table, it's good to be aware of that before choosing to play a deck like this. This deck was definitely built to be public enemy number one, as it is an homage to one of the most evil of villains to have ever poo-pooed the powers of good. It will hinder your opponents at every step of the way, has a very non-legal commander, but can be pretty fun if you are looking to be that person. As it's not a legal commander, there is the option to substitute in either Sanger the Dark Baron for a chance at commander damaging out your opponents, or Ayara for the more combo-y value win. Whichever way you choose to cook it, there is no arguing that this dish is very spicy and very evil. Thanks everyone for tuning in to Commander Kitchen, and remember, if variety is the spice of life, then try not to stay too salty. I'll see you at the table. Beep, beep.